Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. God, it's so good to be uh, here together to talk about your holiness, how you have claim on our lives. Lord, it's not just around us, you are in us, and you guide us and that you lead us. So Lord, as we continue in this uh, study of the seven churches of Revelation, Lord, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So we are now halfway through uh, this series. We're, we are on church four. And if you've missed any of the previous churches, they're all online on our website. Or uh, if, you, if you do podcast stuff, you can uh, search for our church. And you can catch up and hear a little bit more because I don't, I don't want to go back and, and recap a lot of it. But there's some things that's important that we must remember. You know, uh, the way that uh, these uh, letters were written they were close to the island of Patmos where John was, uh, was exiled to. And uh, if you look at a map and you see uh, these churches, they're in this circular pattern or this circuit. And so these seven churches were the closest to Patmos, but it was also a nice little circuit area to, uh, to release uh, the mail routes to or, or trade. So all of them can be hit around uh, around this area. The first three churches that we talked about, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum, they're the ones that are right on the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Now we move more inland, and we head about 35 to 45 miles southeast of Pergamum to the town of Thyatira. Now, it's really funny to me uh, just looking at the letter to Thyatira is that it is the longest letter to the seven churches. The rest of the letters are, are, are short, and we see here what we have about 11 verses for uh, Thyatira. And the funny thing about that for me is that Thyatira is probably the least important city of the seven cities. It's placed out in this um, valley area, which was very uh, unfortunate for them because if you're in a valley, it's very hard to protect yourself. You have to have some, some high ground in order to have an advantage over attacking uh, armies and stuff. So they were there kind of as, as sitting ducks, if you will, and they were relied on uh, Pergamum which was, again, 35 miles to the uh, northwest of them to protect them if something were to happen. They had enough of a, a military base there to kind of prolong the fight, if you will, until Pergamon bailed them out if they wanted to. But So that's kind of like the area of where they were at. But really what uh, Thyatira was, was um, really known for 
was that there were a lot of guilds located in this town, and each guild was connected with a deity or, or with an idol. So all of the guilds were working together for uh, their, their, their special deities, and they would have special programs or, or dinners where they would sacrifice to their deity, and then they would take that food, and then they would serve it as a part of the common meal. And we see stuff in, in uh, the Corinthians book, uh, the books of Corinthians that talk about Paul uh, forbidding people uh, doing that kind of, of action, of eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. Now, you also had a very strong bronze guild there that would cast bronze or, or melt bronze down and build statues. So these were the type of, of money makers that were there in Thyatira. Now, there's, even though this is the only place that the city is really mentioned in Scripture, there is a very famous person who came from Thyatira. If we look in uh, Acts chapter 16, there is a woman by the name of Lydia. And Lydia was in Philippi when Paul was walking through and, and teaching and starting churches, and she was down by uh, the river, and she heard Paul's teaching and she became a follower of Christ. Now, some people think that Lydia, after she heard uh, the message from Paul, that she went back to Thyatira to help get this young church started. Now, it's also uh, fair to notice about this area that they were, didn't really have to worry about persecution like the other churches, uh, the, the ones like in Smyrna or Ephesus or Pergamon, because they had really big temples built there that, that would worship you know, uh, Athena, worship uh, the, the Roman, Roman uh, emperor, worship uh, Zeus. All of those things were there, so it was easy for those churches to be persecuted. So the church and Thyatira were able to, to thrive, if you will, but there was a problem in the way that the church was thriving. And we'll get to that as we move into our scripture. So with that background, I invite you to open up your Bibles, if you have them, to Revelation chapter 2 as we read through verses 18 through 29. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have the words printed up on the screen for you. Hear the word of the Lord. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, Right. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, by her teaching, she misleads my servants in the sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. 
Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule with them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you can see it kind of goes on a little bit right there, but there is a strong warning that, that Jesus is giving the church in Thyatira. But as you can hear, there was that familiar pattern that we talked about at the very beginning. There, there are three things that happen in this letter. First, we hear about who Jesus is. Then we hear the commendation, what, what the church has done well. And then we get to the really deep, dark stuff about how the church will be uh, punished because of their, their lack of good Deeds. So first, in order to understand those last two, we need to hear exactly who it is about Jesus and how, how Jesus is describing himself to them. We're, we're picking up again the words from the beginning of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, where we hear about Jesus having fire in his eyes, that fire that, that, that's piercing, that fire that is refining that fire that reminds us that what, what Christ comes to do is, is to change us. Because if, if we try to live our lives, if we claim to have Christ in our lives, and our lives don't change at all, then, then we miss the point. But what, what Christ comes to do is to change our innermost being so that we can be faithful to Christ and Christ's call on our lives. So that reminder of the fire that's in his eyes, it's that he's searching us. He's, he's looking deep inside of us, and he wants us to be holy just as Christ is holy. And then Jesus reminds uh, the church of Thyatira about their own history, about what is happening there, reminding them about his feet being burnished of bronze, being this, this solid material. And, and what that reminds them is that the bronze that was used in that time was something that would not move. It was something that once you have it placed, once you have it set, it is set forever. And what Jesus is reminding them is saying that I am there in your midst and I am forever. My truth is always with you. My truth will always guide you and lead you. And no matter what happens around, I will always be firm. So you could look towards me when you may have troubles in your life. You may look towards me when things feel shaky or, or uneven. You may look towards me for that, that, that strength that you are missing. And then we go into the deeds. Now, the church in Thyatira, it looks like they had it going on. They, they knew what it meant to be the church. Jesus reminds them that he saw how they acted in love 
and faith. He saw how they did service. And they saw that even with all the guilds around them and, and worshiping these, these false gods, they, they had this perseverance. You know, it kind of looks like it's a letter from Paul just kind of affirming the works that, that all of their doing, their love and their care and their service. All of these things are great things. And not only that, he reminds them that you are even stronger in those things than you were before. It was something that just didn't plateau, but they kept on growing. They kept on moving into these acts of service, and they were doing these amazing things. You know, it's like looking around here in Royce City and seeing all of the growth that is happening here and, and seeing the growth within our own church. We are doing amazing things for the love and grace of Jesus Christ, and we have to keep moving forward and keep building upon the things that we do, not so that we can point to ourselves, but so we can always point to the God who gives us the strength and the mercy and the grace to move forward. There is always another mission. There is always another way to serve Christ and, God, and God's people. There is always another way for us to move forward, and we must do so to be faithful, just like the church in Thyatira was faithful in doing these works. But now we come to the kicker. Now we come to the hard part of this letter with this, this, this uh, area where the church has fallen down. And the way that Jesus does this with Pergamum, he, he brings up some Old Testament characters, Balaam and Balak. But here he like comes to like the queen of all evil Old Testament characters. And he calls upon the name of Jezebel. And if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament scriptures, Jezebel was a queen of Israel married to King Ahab. And one of the things that Jezebel would do is that she would cause the king to fall, but would also cause the kingdom to fall. And the main way that she did that is that she brought in Baal. She brought in this false god to saying, you know, you can worship your god, but, you know, just in case you want to hedge your bets, let me, let me give you this Baal character. That way you can also worship it. And, and there were temples and, and places, religious high places set up all over for Baal worship. And if we get deeper into the book of 1 Kings, you can see where this leads Jezebel. It leads her with this massive conflict with one of God's uh, high prophets, Elijah. And Elijah continues to call down Ahab and Jezebel and all of the evil things they are doing until it comes to a, a final battle where Elijah and, and Jezebel come together at Mount Carmel to, to have this ultimate battle to see which God was the true God. If you're familiar with the story, Jezebel gathers about 400 of the prophets of Baal, and they, they meet Elijah there, and the prophets start dancing and singing for fire to come down from Baal from heaven to, to, to burn up this offering, and nothing happens. 
So they start yelling louder and they start dancing more. They start cutting themselves, all of these things just to make the God Baal listen. And finally, they just fall down exhausted. Then Elijah stands up and he goes to the altar and he drenches it with water several times. And it says one simple prayer and God consumes the entire offering. You can kind of guess that didn't make Jezebel too happy. So she said she was going to kill Elijah, and Elijah takes off. All of this is to show the power of this one woman, this power to, to really disrupt an entire kingdom, this power to, to lead others astray. And with, with Jesus mentioning Jezebel to the church in Thyatira, he was saying the exact same thing, that you have someone in your midst that is causing you all to go astray. You may think you're doing these good deeds. You may think that you are doing what God is calling you to do, but in all actuality, when you join your guild mates in meal and you're eating food that's sacrificed to other idols, you are turning your back on Jesus. When, when, when you go and you commit adultery with people in your guild, you are turning your back on Jesus. When you do these acts, thinking that you're just appeasing somebody who's in your midst, you're not being true to the call that Christ has placed on your life. And you're committing adultery, you're committing idolatry with God. Now, those are harsh words to hear. But the good news, my friends, is the words that Jesus has given to the church of Pyrotyre that he gives us too, is that Jesus is in the middle of all of this, and our focus must be on him. He told his disciples about this earlier. In, in John, before he was sent to the cross, he reminded them that the world was going to continue to find ways to try to get them to fall away from God. In John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. See, sometimes I think as the church, we want the world to love us. We want the world to accept us who we are. But the fact of the matter is that if we are of Christ, the world is not going to like us. The world will have problems with the way that we talk or the way that we minister or the way that we act because it's not of their way. Then Jesus continues and says, But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. These are the types of scriptures that we don't like to really preach about because it doesn't make us feel good. Or does it? doesn't make us feel good because we know that Christ has called each and every one of us out to be his own, that he has called us and he has claimed us and he, he holds us in his arms so that we may have strength 
to move through the day. There's a phrase that's used in, in the church about being not a being in the world, but not of the world. And, and I think that can be a dangerous phrase for, for people to use because sometimes when I think of that phrase, it, it helps me or it makes me think that what we're supposed to do is that we're supposed to go out and, and barricade ourselves from the rest of the world until Jesus comes back. But that's not the model of ministry that Jesus has given us. Jesus has given us a model that we are to be in the world, actively doing things to show Christ's love and mercy for those around us so that we can then do acts of mercy and grace along with helping us grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's a way that one of my former uh, seminary professors would call the extreme center the extreme center is that place that is in the middle where we balance acts of social justice with acts of personal piety. See, sometimes as the church, it's easy for us to go one way or the other, but instead of staying firm right there in the middle. Because if, if we focus too hard on those acts of personal piety, then it's easy for us to become our own God. Look at all the things that I'm able to do. Look at how, how great that I am. I am able to, to withstand those evil pressures of the world around me. But the language that we use is just this I, I, I. But then if we, we err to the side of where we're focusing more on social justice, then it's about how do we make other people happy? How, how do we do everything to, to placate to their needs instead of holding on to those things that God calls us to be holy? I think the key for us is what Jesus is talking about himself, having his feet set in bronze, knowing that that is the immovable place that we as followers of Jesus Christ should, should plant ourselves. And if Christ is our center, then we are able to balance those things beside us. How do we handle those, those difficult social justice issues that, that we face every day? But also, how do we do that in a way that is holy and honoring of God, that, that helps us continue to grow to be holy as Christ is holy? You know, my friends, it's, it's difficult. And this teaching is also very difficult because it makes us take a look on the inside and see exactly where we are in, in all of this. Are we chasing after things that really don't matter? Or are we trying really hard to, to act our way into heaven when we know that it's just the work of Christ that lifts us up for others. My hope and my prayer is as we continue to dig into these difficult passages, we stay firm right there in Christ's feet so that he may guide us and lead us, so that we may be his faithful disciples serving the world around us. Let us pray. Oh God, 
sometimes we want to talk about fire and brimstone. Or sometimes we look at something and we see just all of the negative stuff around it. But we fail to see your grace. Your grace is in the middle of all of the messiness around us. Your grace calls us to a new life, a life filled with your love and your grace and your compassion, a life that then reaches out to others and shares your love with them. Lord, we know sometimes reaching out as followers of Jesus is difficult because the words that we say or the way that we may say them will be rejected. But thanks be to God that we have you to fall on, to lead us and to guide us. Because if it's not the way of the cross, if it's not the way of your, your grace and power, then it's not the way we need to go. So Lord, we lift these difficult things up to you as we remain faithful to your word. In Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.